So Natalie and Pete are on their first date. She thanks him for giving her a chance. And what? <laughs> I can't even read that with a straight face. Oh my oh my, oh my god. god. Luke Wilson? Thank you Thank so you for much giving for giving me a little Cameron Diaz a chance. <laughs> Welcome back, or hello, um, hello for the first time. Yeah, I feel like a YouTuber with a really corny intro. Oh, like um, <laughs> Curtis Connors, like welcome, and if you're coming again, welcome back. If you subscribe, you get an extra greeting. Have you seen that? No, but I follow this oh. YouTuber. This is an ASMR person, so obviously it's like <laughs> extra as hell. But she's like, mm. "Hello, family." Like. <laughs> We're all family here. Oh, this this makes me sound awful. Like, guys, I don't have a horrible personality. I'm not psychotic. I promise. I promise. Right before we hopped on this recording, we were just yeah. talking Peloton. The merits of a stationary bike. Um, is it worth the hype? Please, please. I'm freaking begging you to let me know. Because I'm like, yeah, picture I've- this. In my incredibly small matchbox new york apartment the apartment itself is like fine but my bedroom is teeny weeny yeah just a bed in one corner a television um yeah right where my desk is just trash the desk put it out on the street (laughs) and all its contents and you just plop the peloton right there i mean you might have some issues opening your closet doors you're speaking truth to power right now i would i would wait it out till the end of the lease and then when you're in your new place yeah you can plan around it you know that's true it definitely is a depression purchase yeah a quarantine purchase if you will which i've been really mm-hmm. good about not making like i haven't yeah. made any big financial choices mm-hmm. during this time <laughs> Yeah. I think my biggest financial choice was I got a new laptop, but mm-hmm. that was necessary because mine sounded like a, a jet taking off. A fighter off. jet. Yeah. Just anytime I opened two tabs. So she lasted me for eight years. Mm-hmm. She did her best. She did the best that she could. Yeah. And I got some like kitchen stuff. Like I got a blender. Oh, you did a little redecorating too, but those weren't yeah, like I did. huge. Yeah. A lot of it was secondhand stuff from mm-hmm. like Facebook Marketplace. I got a new couch. Yeah. And oh, I got the Always pan. It just got shipped today. Oh, no way. I'm so excited. Very nice. I did get a walk as one of the gifts um, I received for Christmas. So I'm excited Mm -hmm. to use that. Yeah. I did want an Always pan. I might have said this Mm -hmm. on the pod already, but (laughs) Phil is like really obsessive when it comes to reading reviews like before we watch a movie like he'll read reviews or like we make a right. recipe like he reads like the reviews wow so he was doing extensive research on the always pan he's like well it's not oven safe i actually read some reviews saying that it's like not the best option so oh. i didn't want to get you a pan that wasn't <laughs> what you thought it was and <laughs> the color that i wanted had already been sold out like there was no shot mm. yeah but that's just a that's just like my quirky guy. Yeah. That's just how he is. <laughs> Obsessive compulsive. <laughs> just manly things, yeah. you know. Yeah, I I don't really like ever put my pans in the oven. Like I don't cook a lot of stuff that requires a pan to go in the mm-hmm. oven. So I'm not too worried about that. But I will send Phil a very detailed 
personal review. Yeah, please once do. Once I get it and I try it out. Yeah, yeah. There's like a couple of things. I'm like thinking about all the stuff that we need to get for the apartment. And I say like I've literally set aside savings for furniture because I want to get like mm. a little bit nicer furniture. I'm not in college yeah. anymore. You know, yeah. furnish the house. And then it hit me that I have enough money to pay for a Peloton. And I was like, scratch it all. Scratch <laughs> it all. I don't need new furniture. Yeah, I'll just sit on the Peloton. I need a lifestyle change. <laughs> I need a fucking humanity flip. Turn it on its head. Oh, my gosh. You're going to have a completely empty apartment with just one Peloton in, like, the middle of the living room. Yeah, with, like, lights and crystals yeah. surrounding it. <laughs> Oh, Lord. Yeah. I mean, who's entertaining anyways in this pandemic? No one. Fucking screwed. If you are, you You, better think about your choices. If you are, you're no friend of ours. (laughs) Yeah. Not in this house. Sorry. (laughs) Um... On that note. Yeah, we have a lovely movie for today. I feel like my I feel like I literally sound like a boy going through puberty right now. <laughs> Jesus a little, Christ. A little crackly. We have, I think, like our first action movie. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like the most action we've gotten is from like Ella Enchanted when she steals yeah. a glass slipper. Yeah. I mean, high school musical. That's a sports. It could be a sports movie. Not going to stop. Not going to stop till I get pushed up. <sighs> but yeah, today we are doing, you know, one of the most iconic franchises of all time. Yeah, definitely. We are doing the 2000 film Charlie's Angels. The crowd goes wild. Oh my God. We had to do this one because the actresses are just so super iconic. There's such a big yeah. following for Charlie's Angels. And, mm-hmm. um, what better way to bring in the new year than kicking some ass? Hell yeah. We have Drew Barrymore. Mm-hmm. We got Lucy Liu. Yes. We got Cameron Diaz. All just like some of the hottest people. Oh my God. Yeah. Earth. Especially Lucy Liu. Like she is so hot. She in this is movie. beautiful. Lucy Liu is gorgeous. Yeah. When they walk in with uh, Bill Murray in the scene mm-hmm. with, yeah, the party. Oh mm-hmm. my God. They look incredible. Yeah. 100%. There's also some, like, great fashion moments in this movie. Oh, yeah, for sure. Every time they go somewhere and they have a different persona or costume, it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, sure, but make it incredibly hot. Exactly, exactly. We did a little, you know, research on Yield Internet. We got some um, info, some facts for you guys. Yeah. So we did find out that they absolutely screwed over Lucy Liu and her contract. So Mm -hmm. Cameron Diaz got paid 12 million and true barrymore got paid 9 million but also was like an executive producer because she Mm -hmm. owns the rights um to charlie's angels and lucy Liu, for her incredible performance Mm -hmm. got a meager one million dollars it's just it makes me so mad i'm just like what what is wrong with you that's all you could extend like i feel as though she was still pretty popular actress Mm -hmm. i don't know why they underpaid her so much yeah especially like drew like you're an executive producer you're making like a ton of money off this movie and you still give yourself like a nine million dollar yeah cut paycheck Mm -hmm. and then lucy gets one million i mean not that like one million is so little but just like yeah comparatively obviously because they're a trio and they do like equal amounts in the movie. Oh yeah, so. I agree. And yeah. there was a whole controversy with her and Bill Murray during the filming. 
it's yeah. kind of unclear. I mean, none of us were there, but from what I read, it went something like Bill Murray telling Lucy Liu that she wasn't cut out for the role, but then later on went on to say that he meant the script was poorly written, so it didn't like yeah. do your character justice. I don't know the mm. full details, but I have heard that Bill Murray is hard to work with. So Yeah. It doesn't sound like it was a great time Mm-mm. for them. But it doesn't come across in the movie. It doesn't. The performances. It doesn't. Yeah. It comes across very well. Yeah. So they're both pros. We also read that Lucy Liu is actually like a kind of a last minute casting choice. Mm-hmm. They had initially offered the role to like a ton of different people, one of which being Helena Bottom Carter, which makes I, no uh, sense I, to me. No words for that. Yeah. Um, but they also offered it to Thandie Newton, mm-hmm. who turned it down because she thought the role was like super objectified and like apparently her character at that point in the script was going to be introduced by like a close-up shot of her ass. Yeah. And also she like took a meeting with the head of Sony and the um, executive Amy Pascal at the time said that no one would buy a black woman as being college educated even though Thandie Newton herself studied at Cambridge. Yeah, pretty crazy. Yeah, and they want to turn her character into, like, this really stereotypical black woman. Mm-hmm. And she was like, absolutely not. I think she made the right choice. Yeah, which is weird because they didn't really do a lot of, at least I didn't notice, them doing a lot mm-hmm. of stuff to Lucy Liu's character to be, like, a stereotypical Asian yeah. woman. Aside from the muffins she made when Drew Barrymore and Cameron Diaz are, like, they're kung fu muffins or something stupid like that. Yeah, like they say something like Chinese fighting muffins yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, dumb. yeah. Lots of controversy with Lucy Liu in this movie. For real. I'm glad that she was in it though, because she's like probably my favorite performance. Yeah, definitely. Speaking of performances though. Oh my God. We got some scoop for y'all. We got, yeah, the, we got the poop on the robot. <laughs> we did. So also in this movie, Sam Rockwell. Mm-hmm. You may have heard of him. Oscar winner. Mm-hmm. You know. Just a few things here and there. <laughs> yeah. Little three billboards, little vice, little Jojo Rabbit. Yes. So funny story. His longtime acting coach, Terry Knickerbocker, was also our acting teacher in college. Yes. Very talented man. Yes. Amazing insight. So after seeing this movie, we were like talking about how great his performance is mm-hmm. in this because Sam Rockwell is such a good actor. Oh, yeah. And so I texted Terry and I was like, hey, Terry, I'm just wondering, like, did you coach Sam in this role? And he was like, yes, I did. So let me let me pull up. Yeah, get the screen cap for you guys. From the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Terry said that they worked on the movie together. Mm-hmm. And his favorite moment was the reveal during like the Scrabble game yeah. with Drew Barrymore, where he like turns into the bad guy and he like puts on some Marvin Gaye. And a challenge for Sam was creating both like the nice Eric and like the bad guy Eric. Mm-hmm. And that Bill Murray who plays Bosley, was one of Sam's heroes. So getting to work with him was, like, such a treat and, like, so exciting for him. Yeah. So, yeah. Incredible that he mentions that scene in particular because I Mm. loved when he turned from Eric Knox into the bad Mm. guy, like, his real persona. Totally. And the music, I mean, he does it there. That's the first time we see the transformation. Mm. But then later on, when the angels are... Um, trying to infiltrate to get Bosley back, and mm-hmm. he turns up the music again, and he does oh, I love his dance ah, and smokes a so cigarette good. while wearing rose-colored glasses. Yeah, very, very ah. enticing moment. 
Yeah. His performance is, like, very satisfying to watch, especially, like, in those moments. It doesn't feel like he pulls, like, this, like, drastic switch on you no. while you're watching it. He just feels like he sinks into it, and it's just, like, oh, it's very masterful. So he I does agree. a great job. It doesn't yeah. give you the feeling that, like, you're, like, I'm a good guy. I'm a bad guy. I'm a good guy. Mm -hmm. It's so yeah. well played. Yeah. So check it out. Take Tara Knickerbocker's classes <laughs> online. Hashtag TK acting, baby. Yeah. All right. Shall we dive right in? Or should I say skydive right in? Oh. You're welcome, everybody. I am a comedian. Thank you so much. T-Y-T-Y-S-M. Oh, my gosh. Back to Charlie's Angels. So our opening scene, we are in a plane. We are sky high. It does remind mm -hmm. me a little bit of the witch movie. The Craft? Yes. Where you get that outside plane shot, inside plane shot. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and we're in first class. It's super retro for a 2000s movie. So we're flying first class. We see this man leaving the bathroom. And he's in some sort of a traditional dress of what country I am unsure. And he walks into the galley. Before he gets to first class, one of the flight attendants stops him. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry, sir. That's actually first class. Like, you can't step in there. And he shows him his ticket. And he's like, scotch, blended, straight walks back over to first class and sits down next to his incredibly erotic friend. Um, at this point, I realize that first class looks so cool and I wish I was in it. Yeah, this first class cabin kind of reminds me of like the first class in The Wedding Singer, which also just has like a really insanely nice first class. It's all like red and white. Okay, I have no oh, idea, literally no clue what that movie is about. <laughs> oh, I, I can tell from the title, but... I had seen recently an ad for Qatar Airlines, and mm. um, I would just assume that's like the closest in modern day we can get to this first class. Yeah, something like that probably. So the dude next to him, Pascal, very deranged looking man, mm -hmm. he's kind of like freaking out. He tells <laughs> LL Cool J that birds can't fly this high and LL Cool J aka Mr. Jones is like the character that he plays, tells him that only angels can fly this high. And then he shows him like a, just a handful of drugs. Yeah, really weird. Just like loose in his hands. And then asks him where the bomb is. And dude like unzips his jacket, just has like a full on bomb strapped to his chest. Yeah. Bold of you to just open that zipper right in the middle of the cabin. This was pre 9-11. Yes. Mr. Jones, you know, gets his scotch and they look on the screen where like a movie is playing and I think it's like a remake of a TV show or something. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, all these old TV shows are now movies. Very self-aware moment. And um, he says that he's over it. And then Pascal is like, oh, what are you going to do? And he's like, walk out. And the dude laughs. And then Mr. Jones grabs him, oh pulls him God. to the emergency exit opens the emergency exit, and they just jump right out of the plane. I just want to say I'm pretty sure doing that would affect the oxygen level in the entire cabin. Yeah. And yeah. I guess, like, theoretically, they could have been landing, like, on their way to land, but I don't even know. Yeah, like, you don't 
skydive from that high of like a of an altitude, yeah. Yeah, I'm not because, like, you could die. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so. Although there is that guy who didn't he skydive from outside of the atmosphere, like he was in the stratosphere or something. Do you remember that? Oh, no, I don't remember that. I don't think I'm making that up. <laughs> this was, like, a historic thing when we were younger. Oh, he, like, skydived from know. really high height. But I don't know the accoutrement that he was in, yeah. enrobed in. I don't know any of the details. Yeah. So they do skydive and they fall past another, <laughs> I was going to be like another aeronautics feature. <laughs> they fall past a helicopter where Alex skydives after them, aka mm-hmm. Lucy Lou, and she grabs onto them and rips the bomb off him so that it explodes in midair, not harming a soul. And then the man from the plane pulls his parachute. So Alex yeah. grabs the terrorist and they parachute down into Natalie, a.k.a. Cameron Diaz's boat. The terrorist Mm -hmm. is screaming. He's freaking out again. And Mm -hmm. I just want to say at this point, Lucy (laughs) Liu is one of the hottest women on the planet. Oh, yeah. She, like, pulls off her helmet and, like, flips her hair around. I'm just like, yeah, man, what a life to to look like that. So then Mr. Jones lands in the boat as well. And the suicide bomber guy is like, you crazy bastard, like, blah, blah, blah. And then Mr. Jones takes, like, this little retainer thing out of his mouth. He's, like, in a woman's voice, I think you mean crazy bitch. And then pulls off his, like, face mask to reveal that he's actually Dylan, a.k.a. Drew Barrymore. Mm -hmm. And he's like, what the fuck is happening? And they just, like, laugh as they speed off on this boat. (laughs) Pretty crazy. Yeah. So then we get a little flashback moment explaining the Charlie's Angels and how they came to be. They say, once upon a time, there were three very different little girls. And we get a glimpse of young Natalie. She's wearing headgear in a driver's ed class, like riding on the side of the car. (laughs) She's like doing some sort of trick. Insanity. Yeah. Alex, she wins an equestrian championship. And we have a young Dylan not doing anything incredibly (laughs) spectacular, but she's smoking in the school bathroom. So they all grew up very differently as well. Natalie is a super genius. She has like this Jeopardy championship, highest earning Jeopardy contestant, I'm assuming. Alex becomes an astronaut. And Dylan. Crazy. I know. They're like, Alex became an astronaut. And Dylan is in the police academy. Yeah. But then Charlie's voiceover says that they all had three things in common. They're brilliant. They're beautiful. Cut to Dylan punching the police academy officer in the face and storming out. Yeah. She said, A cab. <laughs> they work for me. My name is Charlie. And then we have this like great montage of the girls on like different missions. There's like a Harry Potter reference yeah. where Dylan is wearing like an invis the fake invisibility cloak. And I'm like, what mission is that? I want to know more about that. I one. did read that she loves Harry Potter and so she wanted to mm-hmm. include that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> truly wild um but then we get the title sequence where the girls all run and mm-hmm. do like a kick in midair charlie's angels hey yeah okay mm-hmm. oh i think i might have said this on the pod that i met drew barrymore once oh maybe i don't know if you said it on the pod well i met drew barrymore once <laughs> she was very kind very sweet she came into the restaurant mm-hmm. that i used to be a hostess at and she sat at the bar cross-legged with her shoes off which I thought was endearing. 
and ordered yeah. like beer and like ate with the person that she was there with. And um, um, I do remember Drew getting up at one point to go to the restroom and she brought her big like pint of beer with her. And I was just like, oh, my God, she's so cool. <laughs> stars they're just like us oh she was also my height very tiny woman she's like oh. five two five one yeah whoa that like she looks so tall in this movie yeah i would have thought she would have been like my height like five seven no at least. no she's super short jeez crazy right how tall is cameron diaz then because she i looks think she's like your height though what i'm gonna look it up that that does not make sense in my brain oh she's five nine Okay, yeah. I was that like, makes sense. She must be taller She than does me. look like a really tall woman. Yeah. Okay, it also says Drew Barrymore is 5'4", though, and I know that she's not. <laughs> yeah. Maybe 5'3", at the most, yeah. but she was quite short when I saw her. Wow. So, that being said, <laughs> it's the morning, the sun is rising, Dylan is in bed, and she hears a man singing. He's like, good morning, starfish. And this man is Chad. Chad made her breakfast. A.K.A. Tom Green. Yeah, literally. So we see Chad offering her breakfast. And he's like, I figured we could have a little breakfast. And then maybe after we could have a little Chad. (laughs) He's a very (laughs) odd man. Yeah. Luckily for Drew, her phone rings. And she's like, sorry, I got to go. We find out she's actually on a houseboat named Betsy. And Mm -hmm. Before she speeds off in her amazing convertible, he's yeah. like, was it the breakfast or the houseboat or the Chad? <laughs> and as she's driving off, she's like, it might be the Chad. And he jumps into the water. <laughs> Just drops the frying pan straight yeah. in the water and like valet flops in. He's like, it was the Chad. <laughs> it was the Chad. Next, we move over to sweet Natalie, Cameron Diaz. Mm -hmm. She looks to her left and says, Eduardo, move me. And this man named Eduardo puts the music on. He's like a DJ. She's in this like nightclub doing this whole elaborate like choreographed dance number. She's wearing this really cool like silver sparkly dress. Everyone in the club is cheering. The vibes are just immaculate. Amazing. But turns out it was all a dream. But she wakes up with, like, a huge smile on her face. She hops up out of the bed. She's wearing these, like, Spider-Man underwear. (laughs) And she's, like, dancing around in the mirror. It's very, like, charming. She then gets a knock at the door and, like, scoots her little booty over to the door where she signs for, like, a UPS package in her underwear from, like, a very hot UPS worker. Very bold for me. Yeah. Very bold. <laughs> She's like, well, I signed that waiver, so you can just feel free to stick things in my slot. And he's like, I'm having a breakdown. <laughs> so then as she's like going back inside, she ends up tripping. He ends up tripping. It's like very cute. And then she gets a phone call and she's like, I'll be right in. Yeah. They give her a very quirky. She. It's weird. She almost has an airhead situation going on. But at the mm-hmm. same time, she is incredibly smart when it comes to like book mm. smart stuff yeah it's like a happy-go-lucky kind of like yeah vibe yeah definitely yeah. so then we cut to alex she's in a metal trailer in the desert um and then we realize it's just a desert soundstage she's talking to a man and she tells them that he has to defuse this bomb and it turns out that they're just running lines for this script so we hear an oven ring and alex takes out her muffins the guy is like, 
why can't I just yank the wires? And Alex is like, well, actually, the wires are like hooked up to a bloody blah, 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 <laughs> XYZ, WAQ. Yeah. And <laughs> she's like, that's why it's wrong. And the guy is really dumb. So he says, wow, for a bikini waxer, you sure know a lot about bombs. And Alex is like, oh, I learned it on the World Wide Web. Then she also gets a call in her cell. It's from Charlie. So Alex leaves the trailer. This man's name is Jason, we find out. And Jason's like, when do I get to meet Charlie? And then Alex is like, Charlie is not a very social person. But before she leaves, Jason calls after her and it's just like, Charlie is a chick, right? Right? And then he tries the muffin, spits out immediately. It is bad. Jason is played by Matt LeBlanc and yeah. is essentially just Joey. Just from the same Friends character in LA. For sure. Yeah. Literally typecast to a T. I didn't need to watch Friends to tell you that it is the same character. Yes. So then we get to the agency, to Charlie's office. Alex is talking about how she doesn't know how long she can keep lying to Jason for. Like, it's really weighing on her. And that guys usually start out all lovey-dovey until they find out that you can shatter a cinder block with your forehead. Yeah. You know, classic. Just, like, girly things. Yeah. She then offers the girls some of her muffins, and they hesitantly take them. Dylan takes a sniff and then just hurls it right at Natalie's chest. And then... Natalie throws hers at Dylan, but then it ends up, like, flying into the door and getting, like, stuck in it. Yeah, it's stuck in the wooden door. And I was like, how could Matt LeBlanc even take a bite of it out of that? Yeah, for real. These are not – these muffins are not the same. <laughs> so Bosley comes in and he makes this joke about Chinese fighting muffins. Alex is pissed. Natalie explains to Bosley that Alex is having trouble with her secret identity. And Bosley is like, girls, gather around. Come over here. And he goes and sits on the couch with them. The heart is a muscle. And in bodybuilding, we exercise the muscle to make it stronger. And it's the same with the heart. The little hurts will heal. And at crunch time, their hearts will be so buff, they'll be able to clean and jerk his love. Three sets, ten reps each. Oh, my God. And they're all like, thanks, boss. Thanks. Thank you. So then they get an intercom phone call from the one and only Charlie, a.k.a. Charles Townsend. And we get the classic, good morning, angels. Good morning, Charlie. Mm -hmm. Bosley then turns on the TV and he starts prepping them for their next assignment. Yes. It is Eric Knox, a.k.a. Sam Rockwell. He is an engineer and founder of an up-and-coming communications software company, Knox Enterprises. Apparently, last night, he was kidnapped and his voice ID software was stolen. And then they see this, like, security camera footage of him getting kidnapped in this parking lot. And next to him is his VP, Vivian Wood, and she was left behind. I'm like, hi, Key. I guess they could have extorted information from you, but they wouldn't have been able to get the program unless they hacked into your building? Yeah. Well, I guess if they, like, kidnapped him, like, at his workplace, like, maybe they, like, ransacked it before. I see what you're saying. But it's unclear. Yes. Very vague. Yeah. So Natalie immediately is just like, oh, Vivian Wood did it. Like, she was with him. Yeah. Why would it be anyone else? And Vivian walks in and is like, well, I guess we can all go home then. Vivian Wood, classic, Mm. like, 
office lady think mm-hmm. the girl with the gigantic folder in Bridget Jones' diary. Oh, um, what's her name? Laura. Laura, yeah. Or mm-hmm. even um, Colin Firth's girlfriend. Natasha. 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 Yeah, Natasha and yeah. Vivian. Interchangeable for mm-hmm. me. So Vivian, it turns out, is the one that hired them to find Eric. And Dylan's like, okay, well, who would want Knox gone? And she's like, well, me probably since I'm his partner. And then Charlie says that Knox's biggest enemy is Roger Corwin, the president of Red Star Systems, their rival. A.K.A. Tim Curry. Yeah, a.k.a. just a, a, li- a, a little known man called Tim Curry. Yeah. So This cast is off the walls, Yeah, dude. star-studded. So Vivian is like, there was no ransom, but I know he's still alive. So Charlie says Corwin gets his weekly massage at Madam House of Blossoms. That's their one opportunity, their one chance to really feel him out. So we cut to Madam Wong's. Corwin is lying down on like a massage table, yammering on the phone. When Alex comes in, she's posing as the masseuse. She like rubs her hands with oil Mm -hmm. and he's like, it's getting cold in here. I could use some warming up. And so she like yells and (laughs) runs and like jumps on his back and she's like massaging him with her feet and then finds like a pressure point and like renders him unconscious. Precisely. It's pretty wild. Yeah. She is on that back. She is applying (laughs) the pressure. So she steals his keys and Dylan and Natalie walk in dressed like geisha. They take the keys to the locker room, ransack Corwin's belongings, Palm Pilot, they copy his car keys. Get all that info. Yeah. So then we cut to the girls going to the drive through Alex says that if Corin is behind the kidnapping, then he has somebody else doing his dirty work for him. Then, like, as they're trying to order, the drive through speaker machine thing is malfunctioning. So Alex just, like, leans over and opens it up, like, fixes it with, like, a piece of gum yeah. or something. It's pretty insane. In the backseat, Natalie is checking out the surveillance footage, and she manages to enhance a reflection from a car window to see one of the kidnappers. Pretty crazy. Prints out his photo in the console of their convertible. The technology is... Insane. Something. (laughs) Yeah. So Dylan orders for them. She's like, yeah, I'd like three cheeseburgers, three french fries, and three cherry pies. What do you guys want? Ha ha ha. So then they look through Corwin's schedule and they decide to crash the party he's attending tonight downtown. Yes. To see if the assassin or the kidnapper dude is there. They also give this man the nickname Creepy Thin Man. I don't think he's that skinny. I don't know how he gets the Thin Man moniker. (laughs) I mean, he's like pretty skinny from what I remember. I just don't find him to be like emaciated. I'm thinking of like Christian Bale and the Machinist. Right, right. (laughs) But he does slide through a fence, which I feel like is his his really like big Thin Man (laughs) moment. It's weird because the way that they say it, they're like creepy thin man. It doesn't sound like they're talking about a creepy thin man. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a like a thin man is like a profession or something. Yeah. Like, oh, he's a thin man. Oh, that thin man over there. Yeah. yeah. So they go to the party that evening. It looks like it's in downtown LA. The crowd is buzzing. Mm-hmm. It literally yeah. looks like a movie premiere. I don't know really what they were going for. Yeah. But the girls all put in mic transmitters on their molars even Bosley, so that they can all communicate during the evening. And Alex and Dylan roll in on Bosley's arms. They look 
absolutely stunning. One is in a red Great dress. dresses. One is in a black mm-hmm. dress. Very jaw-dropping. They're in deep mm-hmm. cover. Bosley's like, hey, if you can't remember my name, John David, just call me JD. Mm-hmm. And the girls are like, okay, JD. Shelly Donut. Yeah. I can't remember any of the other JD words. Jack Daniels. Jack Daniels, Jelly Donut. Exactly. So they go walking further to the party. There's a man blowing fire. Bosley does see Corwin and Corwin goes up to him. He introduces himself as John David Rage, self-help guru. And he's really tense. Clearly, Bosley hasn't done this a lot. So the girls are like, okay, calm down, order a drink. A waitress comes over and Bosley taps her on the shoulder. He's like, excuse me. Obviously, it's Natalie. (laughs) And Boz is like, "Uh, I'll have a hammerhead. So Alex is doing some recon when this dude comes up to her to try and ask her to dance. And every single thing that he says, she's just like, no, 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 (laughs) absolutely not. Finally, he goes away. They cannot find the thin man yet. He's nowhere to be seen. Natalie goes to the bar to like get some drinks where she meets Pete, aka Luke Wilson. The other Wilson. <laughs> yeah. Such a cutie. He says konnichiwa. And then she's like, oh my God, starts speaking to him in like fluent Japanese. And he's like, that's incredible. And she's like, what is? And he says, your smile. <laughs> oh my God. He's a talker. He's mm. a looker. Yeah, and so she, like, beams at him with her, like, gorgeous smile. Mm. Meanwhile, Bosley and Roger Corwin are still talking, and Bosley keeps, like, opening his mouth super wide, like, as he's talking so that the mic can hear him. It's very uncomfortable. Yeah. And then Roger offers him blowfish, and Bos is like, isn't that poisonous? And he says that it's a delicacy for the man who has no fear of an excruciating death. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, because like one in 60 is fatal. If it's not prepared properly, like you need to get a license to prepare it. Wow. Um, did you do, do this info just for the pod or do you already know that? No, I just I just know this. <laughs> um, having grown up in Asia, I am aware of blowfish as a delicacy. But yeah, you have to like get special training to prepare it because like it's a very specific part of the fish that isn't poisonous okay yeah but bosley is like yeah sure so (laughs) he eats it and then he like pretends to collapse and then like laughs he's like haha it tastes like chicken (laughs) how classy (laughs) so natalie tries to get him to talk about Knox. she's like all right come on and roger says he's a worthy adversary and he wants to see if jd can handle something else another layer another layer Mm -hmm. to crack yeah so natalie goes and gets more drinks from pete and dylan is like you should go back and flirt with him more and they're all in the comms units too so natalie goes back she flirts more but then she gets like nervous and babbles and Mm -hmm. alex is like you need to walk away (laughs) but dylan tells her to stay and she's kind of like back and forth so alex is like flip your hair and that is like oh my god what what and she's like flip your goddamn hair so she does and there's a gong noise there's a freaking gong noise like boom and she flips her hair and he is smitten oh my gosh i would do this all the time when i was a kid i would just like practice 
flipping my hair like oh, that. I thought that the hair flip, like, I thought when you became a woman of a certain age, yeah, you just flipped your hair <laughs> and guys were like, oh my God. Oh my God. I do be wanting to marry that woman. And then I grew up and I realized how hard it is. <laughs> From my experience, it hasn't worked out for me yet, but... You have really flippable hair. I do. I do flip it from time to time. I just tried to flip it and it didn't move at all because I'm wearing my DJ headphones. Yeah. But <laughs> thank you. Someday a man will fall in love with my hair flip. Yeah. But today is not that day. But Pete does. So he <laughs> takes <laughs> takes a shot <laughs> and then he like follows her out into the crowd he asked her out for Thursday, and she's like, I love Thursday. And he's like, great, I'm going to get tickets. And she's like, I love tickets. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's, like, literally exactly what they say. Um, so we then cut to Bosley, a.k.a. JD, mm-hmm. who is having a sumo wrestling match with Corwin. Yeah. Like, they're in the giant it's a sumo moment. <laughs> Yeah. Corwin wins. He like beats on Bosley's stomach. And then in the crowd, Alex spots the creepy thin man. The elusive creepy thin man. Yeah. He looks like a Tim Burton character kind of. He clocks the angels heading towards him like right away. Mm -hmm. So he ducks like into a hallway to escape them. Yes. And then the angels obviously follow they lose him when he steps into this elevator the doors close so they're like stairwell they run down the stairwell they shed their fancy dresses and wigs and Mm -hmm. as we were watching this we're like that is a scene from scary movie that they try to replicate except in scary movie they are completely naked Mm -hmm. um, and they botch the scene (laughs) so yeah that's a fun throwback but Eventually, they do catch up with Thin Man and follow him as he runs down an alleyway. He shoots at them, but they dodge. They somehow (laughs) dodge all of his bullets. Okay, go off. And when he runs out of bullets, he... This is so funny. When he runs out of bullets, he uses his thin little body, his tiny little skeleton to slip through the cracks of a fence. And they're like, oh, fucking shit. He's so thin. <laughs> I just can't believe that this was like a plot device. Like I know. the thinness of this man. Should have fucking caught, should have cocked that crack so the thin man can fit through it. <laughs> oh my gosh. They should have like brought like Timothy Chalamet in to like play his long lost son in the new one. They should have got Timothy Chalamet to do the stunts for this one. <laughs> oh my gosh so after he slips through the cracks of this fence (laughs) the the angels do like a basket toss i guess in cheerleading it's called like a basket toss i took this Mm -hmm. ground circus class in college it was called like the bonkeen it is really painful when you are like the person holding the people standing on you it hurts like a bitch so they do that natalie like jumps from their hands launches herself over this fence yeah. Insanity grabs onto a rope and like a George of the Jungle style mm-hmm. like flies in and kicks him. Alex and Dylan then like climb the chain link fence like monkeys essentially. Then the creepy thin man draws a sword yes. from his like cane 
It's a cane sword. Yeah. They have this like really long fighting sequence with like kicks and flips and people are screaming. It's like classic action movie situation. Dylan is then tackling him and he rips out like quite a sizable chunk yes. of her hair and smells it like a oh fucking maniac. <laughs> a maniac. This is, <laughs> this is not to kink shame, but that was not consensual. You can't be ripping people's hair out and smelling it. I don't it. like it. I don't like it whatever way you're yeah. doing it. It's not for me. You're making the situation weird. Let's just go back to fighting like normal. Let's go back to you being the thin man, not the thin man who sniffs your <laughs> fucking hair. Yeah. So he ends up running away into this weird building. I swear to God, like yeah. all the scenes in this movie, it feels like it takes place in like a fun house or something. I'm like, I don't know where yeah. I am. I don't understand this architecture. I'm like there's so many doors. So weird. So they go into this building where it, there are like six different doors, I want to say. What they end up doing is like kicking all the doors open. And finally, in the last one, they kick it open. No creepy thin man, but they do find Eric Knox. Mm -hmm. He is blindfolded and tied to a chair, and there are little rats just nibbling at his feet. He's like in like two inches of water at his feet. It's yeah, it's pretty gross. Nasty. So they get him all cleaned up, mm -hmm. I assume, because it's the next day at Charlie's office. Dylan asks Knox like about his technology and why it's so important. Like why would someone want to steal it? And he explains that with voice recognition, you'd be able to, like, discern everybody's voice when they talk on the phone. Yeah. And since Red Star, this, like, competing company, um, has satellites, like, global satellites and stuff, they would be able to use the technology in everybody's cell phones and essentially turn every cell phone into a homing device. Wow. And I no could, one could hide. I never imagined that. <laughs> And they're like, can you imagine if this got in the wrong hands, how dangerous it could be? And I'm like, bitch, we're living it. It's now. We are living it. It would be the mm -hmm. end of privacy, my asshole. <laughs> Alexa, play This is the End of Privacy, bitch, we're living it. Oh, my gosh. So they do find out, though. <laughs> Corwin will be at the Red Star Racetrack tomorrow, premiering his new race car. So at the racetrack, Corwin is like chatting up the press yeah doing his whole thing the angels and bosley are like pretending to be the pit crew and like doing maintenance and stuff natalie who's in this like long brown wig is sharing like flirty looks with corwin he's very into it she's keeping him distracted meanwhile dylan who's in this like amazing farrah fawcett looking blonde wig goes over to Corwin's personal car to, like, chat with his driver. Yeah. She's, like, flirting with him, like, unzipping her uniform. Pretty wild. Pretty risque. Yeah. She's like, oh, my God, it's so hot out there. And he, like, turns on the AC for her. She's doing all this so that Alex can, like, break into the trunk yes. and put a hidden camera on his briefcase. So she does that. Dylan, like, licks the steering wheel. <laughs> um and then she's like, thanks for the ride, and hops out. They did not go anywhere. I just want to say he turned on the air conditioning. Yeah. Yes. Corwin then is, like, talking to the driver for his race car, wishes him good luck, and he turns around, and who would it be who? but the creepy thin man? Oh. His thin little body about to get in that no. race car. So he <laughs> does his creepy thin man thing, and he sniffs at the chunk of 
Dylan's hair that he ripped out oh. from her. And he gets in his little creepy car and he drives on the track. And Natalie is like, that's fucking it. And she, in her black <laughs> jumpsuit situation, um, and amazing black wig, she looks Russian. I love it. Mm-hmm. She jumps into the car and um, drives off after him. What her plan is, I could not tell you. Yeah. But he does end up driving onto the street and Natalie follows. So things get extremely chaotic. They end up on a bridge. I don't really know what bridge it is. It's not like the San Francisco bridge. That doesn't make any sense. No, because they're supposed to be in L.A., aren't they? They're supposed to. I don't know where the racetrack is. Yeah. There's a lot of confusing geography here. Yeah. But they end up on a bridge somehow, and they have a standoff before they start driving directly at each other. It's kind of like a Mm -hmm. game of chicken. Yeah. But at the last second, Natalie stops the car, and he turns, and he falls off the bridge right into the water. Bye. Bye, Bye, Finman. So back at Charlie's office, they check out the footage that they're getting of Red Star from, like, the planted camera on Mm -hmm. Corwin's briefcase. And they find the mainframe. Hack into the mainframe. Yeah. (laughs) Which is apparently where they're probably hiding Knox's software. Security is, like, super tight. There's only two directors that have access to the mainframe. Yes. There's all these security protocols they have to do. Synchronized ID scans, fingerprint scans, and a retina scan. Then they have to change into these special suits um, in like mm-hmm. this clean room. It's all white so that they can do a synchronized button push to get in. This sounds insane. <laughs> Reading it back sounds like freaking insane. I'm like, okay. <laughs> The floors are also rigged to detect pressure after a quarter of a second. Vivian Wood is like, sounds impossible. And Natalie is like, sounds like fun. Yeah. So they have to get all this like DNA from these two dudes. So there's this like belly dancing, like hookah bar or something. Yeah. And Natalie and Alex. The director is hanging out in a hookah bar. Yeah. So Natalie and Alex are dressed as, like, belly dancers, and they're, like, mesmerizing this director. Yeah. They're, like, shaking in front of him. Then Dylan, like, sneaks around and grabs his beer, and they get his fingerprint, and she, like, makes, like, a replica hand in the lab. Pretty crazy. Then Mm -hmm. they dress up as these, like, Oktoberfest-type singers. They're yodelers, I guess. Yeah. Dylan, Alex, and Natalie pretend to be a singing troupe sent to this director's house by accident and they do some yodeling for him Mm -hmm. bosley puts the tuba right in this guy's face which actually scans his retina and natalie ends up making a matching contact lens the technology in this movie is yeah really impeccable so at red star alex shows up in this like amazing leather like mm-hmm. pantsuit situ- well not even pantsuit it's like a skirt but she looks incredible yeah she's like a leather skirt on yeah. all black yeah like a pencil skirt it's very hot so she is posing as the efficiency expert miss aaron's and um by her side are natalie and dylan in like disguise as men so melissa mccarthy Insane. shows up as the small side role yeah, she's like an assistant that works there. And she's like, oh my God, like 
thank you so much for coming. I'm so sorry about all the confusion. Like I had you on the schedule for next week. And Alex is like, yeah, that's why I'm here. And she's acting like ice cold. Melissa McCarthy like calls her a bitch as she walks away. Mm-hmm. And all the like male employees jump out of their seats to like follow her as she walks down the hall. Yes. She gives this really impassioned speech with her whip, <laughs> literally has a whip. Um, and Alex yeah. targets this one employee. She goes up to him and she's like, what was the last thing you suggested to your boss? Mm-hmm. And he's like, I suggested the Coke in the vending machine should be free because caffeine increases focus. And Alex jumps her ass on the table. <laughs> oh, I guess this is when he she starts crossing him. And um, she's like, what did your boss tell you? And he says that his boss told him no. And Alex is like, you are the employees. You are running the company. You are the engineers. They should be answering to you, not you to them. She asks if anyone else has any suggestions. And she's like, tell me. Or better yet, show me. And she like does this little (laughs) hip sway situation. It's like, ooh, Barracuda. (laughs) Literally the music. Yeah. Bro, the comedic timing in this movie is amazing. Impeccable. So they end up walking down the hall. Miss Aaron's in front, and the men are just trailing, telling Alex their ideas. Mm -hmm. And Natalie and Dylan linger behind the crowd that's now been absolutely distracted and go to the mainframe door, which happens to be in like a very normal hallway that everyone is passing through. So once they're in this, you know, very public hallway to get into the mainframe, they do their synchronized scans. Um, Dylan is granted access. Her fingerprints work great. But Natalie's retina scan isn't working. So she, like, shimmies that contact around, tries again. It takes. All good. They're in. So Natalie goes inside and she changes into this, like, completely white suit. Not flattering. So that the cameras can't see her, but then she like turns to look at the camera. And yeah. You can like see her face. So I don't really understand. I was confused about that too. Yeah. It's like a clean room. So maybe she just didn't want to get any fingerprints on it. I really don't know. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to me. But she gets into the chamber and does this like insane gymnastics backflip routine. Yeah. And gets this like giant cube in the center of the room and does like a handstand while it opens. So she's able to like get to the computers and manages to install like a bug inside so that they can see all of Red Star's data before she, you know, backflips right out of there. I also didn't understand. It looked like very eagle-eyed to me when she gets Mm -hmm. into the back room, but I didn't understand again any of the architecture. I'm like, what is being raised I don't get it. What is this cube thing? I don't know. Yeah. Back on the beach somewhere, the girls are just sipping their cocktails. They're outside with Knox and Vivian Woods. They just tell Knox basically that they got complete access to the Red Star computers. And Vivian is like, oh, um, did you, you know, spot Knox technology in the Red Star system? And they're like, actually... Oz has it back at the agency in the laptop. It has a direct link to the Red Star mainframe. And Vivian's like, oh, well, 
it would be better for like us to uh, do our own analysis on the software. Hmm. Hmm. What it? What it, Vivian? Okay, Vivian. I'll take that into consideration. Yeah. So Natalie's like, well, um, the goal is to find out if Red Star has your software, but it would be unethical for us to give you access to their entire system. Yeah. Like, that's not what we do. And they're like, but don't worry. Like, we'll let you know right away if we find anything. And then Alex clocks that something is up. So she speaks in Finnish and says, Nox might not be out of danger yet. And so these girls are just, like, talking and finish. Apparently their accents are, like, horrible, though, and, like, it's barely understandable. And Natalie tells her, keep smiling, like, don't worry the client. And they agree that they should do, like, a security check of Knox's home because something is up with Vivian. And Dylan's like, yeah, I totally agree, as she's, like, having flirty eye contact with Knox, and they're, like, smiling at each other. Aye, aye, aye. Mm-hmm. So that evening at Knox's house, unbelievable apartment. Yeah. I did read something that I soon forgot that this apartment was modeled off of a home mm. in LA like this. Yeah. It has a name. It's like a famous Let me actually see if I can find it. It looks like something straight out of like the Jetsons or something. Okay. The house is modeled after the famous Chemosphere. I'm assuming it's pronounced Chemosphere House. Mm. Um, designed by architect John Lautner. And it's mm-hmm. located on a hillside west of Universal Studios. So it's not the real chemosphere, but they actually made it on a set and mm. they built it, especially for the film, to resemble the chemosphere. And I also read that it was like way bigger. It was huge. Wow. So, yeah, it looks insane. So, amazing apartment. Dylan, she does her check. She looks for any bugs, anything suspicious, and she notices this framed photo of two men in Green Berets. They're in Vietnam, and Knox tells her that that is his father and the guy who killed him. What? Whoa. Whoa. He's like, yeah, they were best friends in Army Intelligence, and then he killed him. So he's like, I just keep it to remind myself to be careful who I trust. Then he asks uh, Dylan about her parents. She says that her mom died when she was six and she's never met her father. And Knox says, oh, you've never met your father and now you work for a man you've never met. Interesting. Crazy. Yeah. And then he like knocks over some Scrabble tiles. He's like, oh, geez, I'm so embarrassed. And they like laugh as they pick up these scrabble tiles mm-hmm. they're like looking at each other there's a lot of tension you can feel it in the air palpable so she then is like well um here's a panic button so <laughs> if you're panicked <laughs> yeah if you're panicking uh just press it and whoever is closest of all of the angels will be here asap and he's like okay so like right now that'd be you and she's like well yes except right now you don't have a problem and he's like But I do have a problem because she's on her way out and he's like scrambling around. He's like, I don't know how to make chicken and pulls out like a box of shake and bake. (laughs) He's like, come on, like, why don't you stay? You know, I'll shake you bake. She like smiles at him and walks up. She's like, what if I want to shake? Whoa. Spicy. Very spicy. 
So mm-hmm. that, <laughs> that's a spicy meat <laughs> All right. I can't feel my foot. <laughs> it's like cold. I don't feel like there's any. Anyways. Okay. You know how it is. <laughs> Recording yeah. in your closet. Just girly things, you know. So Natalie and Pete are on their first date. She thanks him for giving her a chance. And what? <laughs> I can't even read that with a straight face. Oh my oh my, oh my god. god. Luke Wilson, thank you <laughs> thank so you for much giving me a for giving me a little Cameron Diaz a chance. <laughs> like I could say to Luke Wilson, thank you for giving me a chance, but Cameron yeah. Diaz, come on. That'd be like Zach Efron and I going on a date and he's like, Thanks for just <laughs> giving me a chance. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh or my what? god oh my gosh you ever read about how Zach Efron's dating a waitress that he met I can't talk about it it <laughs> makes me so sad it fucking makes my blood boil okay it's just it's so hard to see somebody out there living your dream you know it's so Great hard sweet <laughs> alright <sighs> but you know Pete and Natalie they're having a great time <laughs> Meanwhile, Alex is on a date with Jason. They're at this restaurant, and he tells her that even though their lives are crazy right now, he can't help it. He loves her. (gasps) Oh, my God. At Bosley's apartment, a.k.a. the agency, Bosley is continuing to run his scan on Red Star looking for Knox Tech, but no software is detected. Interesting. Hmm. So his buzzer rings, and who else would it be but the one and only Vivian Wood? Mm. So she comes in wearing all leather, very enticing, and she's like, yeah. it glows in the dark. What? Wow. Oh, what? Bold, bold, bold. So then we cut back to Natalie and Pete. He's taken her to the Soul Train. Interesting choice for two of the whitest people on the planet, but go off. Go off. Um, the bouncer then comes up to Natalie and he's like, do you want to dance on stage? And she's like, yeah, we would love to. And he was like, it's just the ladies. So at first she tries to turn him down, but Pete is like, no, like you should totally do it. This is Soul Train's biggest honor. Like you gotta. So she's like, oh my God. Okay. Hops up on the stage. Meanwhile, cut back to Vivian and Bosley. Vivian is absolutely trying to seduce Boz and he's like, no, mm. I don't want to cross this line. We need to keep things professional. And they stop making out. She, like, gets off him, essentially. And she looks over to the table where there's a bottle of wine or champagne or something. And she's like, may I? So he goes to get her a glass. Then back at the Soul Train, we hear, oh, my God. Becky, look Look at at her butt. Natalie is dancing on stage. I thought that she was going to be a good dancer because of all of her machinations and her daydreams. But that is not the case. She's doing her thing. She's doing something. (laughs) Yeah, she's doing a thing. Pete is trying to like talk to the bouncers like, look how great she is. They're completely ignoring him stone faced. The crowd, though, eventually gets into whatever the fuck she's doing, and they all start dancing with her, and they're cheering, go white girl, go Go white white girl. girl. (laughs) So then Pete is, like, gushing about her to the bouncers. He's like, yeah, like, she's so great. Natalie's, like, doing the robot 
pretty <laughs> thing. wild. Yeah. So then afterwards, she goes up to him. She's like, oh, my gosh, that was so amazing. Got to go to the bathroom. I'll be right back. <laughs> Runs off. Back to Jason at the restaurant. He asks Alex to marry him. I'm <sighs> shook. But then gunshots are fired into her back. She drops <laughs> to the ground and he shakes his fist and he calls out to God. But she is dead. <laughs> and he shouts into the heavens. He's like. Damn you, Salazar. And the director yells, cut. Cut. It was a movie the whole time. Oh, my God. I was so (sighs) fooled. Yeah. So Jason is worried that he played the scene too dramatically. But the director reassures him. He's like, this is going to be the best scene of the movie. I mean, I thought it was too dramatic. But who am I to say? (laughs) (laughs) That's none of my business. Yeah. So then we cut to Roger Corwin, Mm -hmm. who is chilling by his pool. When somebody enters. Who else? And he's like, what are you doing here? And then the creepy thin man pulls out his creepy little sword. sword. (laughs) The creepy thin man and his creepy thin sword. He slashes Roger's throat, killing him. So goodbye, Tim Curry. Peace out. Then suddenly in the film trailer that Alex is in making her dinner for her boyfriend, There is a shot fired. It goes right through the milk carton. The trailer ends up being shot up by some cronies. Alex is hiding Mm. on the ceiling. She's like spreading out her arms and legs to essentially like create tension and Mm -hmm. hang out on the ceiling. Yeah. Very crazy. Mm -hmm. The shooters totally shoot up the trailer and then they drive Yeah, like an insane amount of ammo gets launched into that trailer. Yeah, automatic weapons. Yeah. She looks over at the souffle, the one last surviving piece of the trailer, and the souffle falls. It go- it's really sad. It just goes like, yeah, tragic. Meanwhile, Natalie is in the bathroom at the Soul Train when some guy comes up to her behind her and tries to strangle her. Yeah, they get into this like huge fight. She eventually like gets him pinned against like the wall. Yeah, by his neck, like with her boot. It's pretty badass. And she's like, who sent you? And eventually, after coughing up a lot of glass, <laughs> the guy's like, Vivian, Vivian Wood. And then she, like, releases him, and he calls her a bitch. So she roundhouse kicks him in the face. Meanwhile, back at Bosley's apartment, he tries to start a fire while Vivian is there. But the flame is huge. He gets a lot of blowback. He, like, probably burns his eyebrows off. Yeah. So he ambles into the other room to collect himself and while he does so vivian puts drugs into his drink (laughs) drugs oh my god so then we cut back to alex in the trailer she gets the fuck out of there and is about to like drive off when jason walks up and she's like oh my god you've been hit because there's like blood all over his shirt and he's like no 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 it's from, like, the shoot. It's from the scene. It's just prop blood. And so he looks over at his shot-up trailer and is like, what the fuck happened here? And she's like, Jason, I haven't been honest with you. I'm not a bikini waxer. And he's like, oh, that's a bummer because that was kind of a turn-on. And then the trailer completely, like, collapses in on itself. Yeah. Like a folding chair. And she's like, I gotta go. And he's like, Charlie? And she's like, she speeds off. Yes. At the club, um, Natalie comes back from the bathroom and she tells Pete she has to go. 
but she asks him to call her tomorrow. She pieces out, but she comes back to give him a big kiss, and Pete feels amazing. All of the bouncers, who he has now become BFFs with, congratulate him. And on her way out, Natalie rings Dylan. She's like, Vivian's assassin just paid me a visit. We have to warn Knox. And Dylan says that she's already at Knox's house. Natalie is like, squeeze me. But Dylan just tells her, you know, I'll meet you at the agency. Yeah. Dylan, meanwhile, is in Knox's bed Mm -hmm. in just his sheets as she answers this. So she makes this, like, gown for herself out of his sheets. Like, it's tied very, like, professionally. It looks like a mermaid dress. I'm like, what? So she goes out into the living room, and she's like, Knox, like, don't stand so close to the window. It's not safe. And they kiss. And she's about to tell him what's going on when a phone rings. So she turns around to see Vivian. Oh, my God is sitting in a spinning chair and she's like, hey girl, I can see by your gown that you're unarmed. Some maniac could just stroll in here off the street and blow you both to bits. E. Ooh. So Knox brings Dylan over to the couch and they sit down. And Dylan writes him some code on the Scrabble board that they have open. She's like, enemy. Like, look. Enemy. Mm -hmm. So Knox kisses her, and he's like, I know. (gasps) And he walks over to the radio, the stereo. He turns on the music. Mm -hmm. Suddenly, Eric Knox is not who we thought he was. Yep. Vivian pulls a gun on Dylan and tells her the other angels are dead. Creepy, thin man shows up and confirms that Corwin is dead. Yeah. And then we see Knox. He smokes his cigarette and he sings along. He's like, mm, it's not going to work out between us, which is a bummer because you're a tomcat in the sack. Oh, my God. He is shocked. He's like, I can't believe that you had no idea this was going to happen. Uh, like like we said earlier, like Sam Rockwell is just so good in this scene. So like, good. Holy shit. Oh, my God. So Knox then goes over to Vivian mm-hmm. and starts, like, kissing her neck as she's, like, holding this gun to Dylan's face. Vivian tells Dylan that all the angels are going to heaven, but they're going to keep Bosley and his computer. And Dylan then realizes, you know, Corwin had nothing to do with this. The kidnapping and Red Star, it was all a setup. Yeah. And she asks why. And Eric says, you should ask your boss. And then, like, flicks his cigarette at her. Psychotic. Yeah. So he then takes the gun from Vivian and points it at his own head. And he says, they say in death, all life's questions are answered. And then he turns the gun on Dylan and he's like, will you let me know? Boom. Shoots at her. Ba-bang. The glass window shatters. Dylan goes flying out the mm-hmm. window. Knox then nonchalantly strolls over, grabs the picture of his dad. Leaves with Vivian and the Thin Man, and he's like, let's go get Charlie. Yes. But little did we know, (laughs) there is an instant replay of Dylan's death. Turns out Knox missed her. He shot the window, and she is still hanging on to a shard of glass with her bedsheet. Yeah. Um, That got caught on the windowsill. She tries to kind of like shimmy up the bedsheet, but it snaps 
and she goes tumbling down the hill completely naked. She ends up landing in the backyard of this house where two innocent-ish teen boys are playing video games and actually talking about boobs. So Yeah, he's like, you've never seen them. Yes, I have. Now both of you have. Um, Shout out to the E.T. poster. Hey. A little Easter egg for a young Drew Barrymore. Yes. So Dylan actually gets these pool toys to cover up her body and knocks on the sliding door. She's like, a little help. So then Dylan pulls up to the agency on a little, like, I hesitate to call it a motorbike. It's funny. (laughs) A motorized bike wearing, like, baggy shorts and, like, a t-shirt from these, like, 13-year-old boys. She's looking a mess. Natalie and Alex are like, where is Knox? Is he safe? And Dylan's like, yeah, he's safe. He's also the bad guy. And we've Mm. been set up. Just as they're about to walk into the office, the building blows up. The girls get, like, thrown back from the explosion. Absolutely insane. And the whole thing is up in flames. So Alex is like, oh, my God, Bosley. And Dylan's like, no, 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 he's safe. Knox has him. And Alex is like, how does that make him safe? And Dylan explains that they won't kill Bosley until they kill Charlie. Yeah. Alex is confused. Dylan doesn't know his plan, but she knows that they can stop him. So they search through the ruins of the agency and try to figure out exactly what Knox has up his sleeve. Dylan asks why Knox would want to blow up the agency if he thought they were already dead. And Alex is like, all they know for sure is that Knox wanted them to break into Red Star. That's like their base point. Mm -hmm. So Natalie thinks about the mainframe. Um, He had them break into it, but it wasn't to retrieve software. It was to hack into the global positioning satellites. With the software, Knox could match Charlie's voiceover on the phone and use Red Star satellites to track him. But why would Knox want to kill Charlie? Well, I'll tell you. Go ahead. Dylan then remembers. <laughs> Dylan then remembers the picture of Eric's dad and her little mind's eye zooms in on the the name tag thing yes. on it and it said Townsend, aka Charles Townsend, aka Charlie, and she's like, "Oh my god." Knox thinks that Charlie killed his dad. So they realize he just has to get Charlie on the phone and then he can find his exact location. Mm-hmm. And that's why they took Bosley because that's the only person that can ever contact Charlie directly. Yes. So Bosley gets dragged into a room with a bed and a toilet, basically a little prison cell. He's being held there. He's kidnapped. It's awful. He tries to break down the door. Clearly no luck. Mm-hmm. He asks for water, and then he rips up his bed sheets and hangs a corner of it out the window <laughs> as a sign for help. He is, like, super out of his element, starts talking to this bird who shows up on his windowsill. He throws a baseball against the wall. It bounces back in his face. And then when it hits him, he realizes he actually still has the comms unit <gasps> from the party at Corwin's. Oh and God. He can hear sounds from the angels talking. They're about Mm. to leave the wreckage of the agency when they hear Bosley's voice calling out for help. So they rush back into the flaming wreckage where they find – well, it's not flaming. That's a little dramatic. There's, like, some flames around. (laughs) They find uh, a speaker box where they can, like, hear Bosley's comms coming through. And he's describing his cell. (laughs) 
He says it looks like Cher's bedroom. I don't get that reference. I don't either. If you understand that reference, please let us know. Please reach out. Does Cher like live in like a prison cell in the the 2000s and the 90s? I don't know. He then says that he can see the ocean. He can smell the ocean. Yeah. And he's like, tell him where I am to the bird. And the bird chirps. Natalie somehow immediately recognizes this bird. She's like, oh my God, it's the si- this, how do I say this? Sitta Pygmaea? Yeah. And she's like, they only live in one place, Carmel. And the girls are like, oh, okay, go off, sis. <laughs> so Bosley's like, I think I'm in trouble, so please come get me. Yeah, the angels are on the move. They do a little bit of research. They figure out some buildings that he could possibly be in. And while Alex is listing them off one by one, she's like the Nick Zero Corporation. And Dylan is like, wait, is that with an X or with a Z? Because that is an anagram for Eric Knox. Scrabble freak. Yes. Scrabble much? (laughs) Kill me. So they decide (laughs) the best way to get in undetected is by sea. They need a boat, but with Mm -hmm. some type of cover. Dylan is like, Natalie. Head to the marina. Skirt, mm. swerve, opposite <laughs> opposite direction. And then we hear, you know, Brandy, you're a fine girl, playing in the background. You're a fine, fine girl. <laughs> They're on Chad's love boat. He's singing along. Dylan is also singing with him. The girls are like, what the actual fuck? <laughs> Meanwhile, Chad is, you know, bringing them to, like, the island. But Natalie is like, we're going pretty slowly. Like, Chad, could I, like, take over? I can just, like, rip this baby wide open. And he's <laughs> like, there is only one captain of the love boat. And that is me, the Chad. Yes. So we go back to the bad guys. Back mm-hmm. to an amazing performance by Sam oh. Rockwell. He turns up the music. I assume it's more Marvin Gaye, but I actually don't know what's playing on the boombox. No, I don't think it's Marvin Gaye, but I, I'm going to find out. That song is so good, though. Let me find it. Yeah. A lot of people have Googled Charlie's Angels, Eric Knox's song. Oh, I am sure. I, it's called Simon Says. It's by Pharaoh Monk. Okay. Back to the bad guys. Knox is having a sig he turns up the music we see this amazing shot of him dancing it's just his feet Mm -hmm. and his computer is downloading the software he is living it up so they link up to red star and knox tells vivian that revenge is fun yeah there's also like product placement in the shot for coca-cola yeah like you don't even notice it because sam is just like killing it yeah so back on the love boat chad is telling dylan that he's so honored that she's finally taking an interest in his work and he thinks she's very pretty and then he turns around to see that the angels are like putting on scuba gear so that they can swim their way to the island and he's like starfish where are you going and they don't say anything they just like dive off the boat and he's like was it the chad and once they're in the water she pulls out her little mouthpiece and she's like no the chad was great and then they swim off and he's like, the Chad was great. He's so happy. Yeah. The girls finally reach the shore and they strip off their suits. They look so hot. Yeah. Great job. Alex is like, I'll tap the signal from the roof. 
Dylan will deal with Knox, and Natalie will get Bosley. They go off in their directions. Natalie mm-hmm. sneaks over to a door in one of the caverns while Alex starts scaling the rocks. And Dylan is crawling alongside the rocks to get into the castle. So then Dylan finds Knox. He mm-hmm. is absolutely shook to see that she's alive. Vivian immediately points a gun at her head, uh, her go-to move. Annoying. And he's like, you know, forgive my better half. And Dylan's like, figures, I'd meet the perfect guy and he'd already have the perfect girl. Alex uses her crossbow to shoot an arrow into the roof and she starts climbing up that. She sets up her computer equipment in essentially the attic of this castle. It's like a lighthouse yeah. kind of thing, yeah. So she's like, blue wire, red wire. It's <laughs> a little callback. The pygmy nuthatch flies over to her. Vivian does see Natalie on the surveillance, sneaking mm-hmm. through the tunnels, and Knox. Um, actually has his goons tied Dylan to a chair, and he tells them to go secure Bosley as well. So Natalie finds Bosley, and she's like, I'm going to get you out of here when she gets a phone call from Pete, which she answers. Incredible. Girl. So he's like, I really want to see you again, like hopefully uninterrupted next time. And she's like, I know, like it's just been so crazy. Mm-hmm. And then Bosley's like, Natalie, watch your back because the two goons come up to her. She beats the crap out of them. Not even like a second thought. It's over. So Vivian watches this all go down on the surveillance footage. And she's like, never send a man to do a woman's job. And then heads out the door. So Knox tells Dylan that under different circumstances, they'd be a great couple. And she's like, yeah, if you hadn't shot me out the window and been trying to kill everyone I love, I think we'd have a chance. So he asks her to keep a secret for him, and he tells her that she has the fullest, sweetest, most luscious lips he's ever kissed, and then slaps a strip of duct tape to her mouth that he drew red lips onto. I was actually looking at Drew Barrymore's Instagram today, and she has like a mask with yeah. like lips, like red lips drawn on it. And I was like, oh, wow. oh my God, that's so cool. I would totally wear that. But anyways, <laughs> Eric's phone then starts ringing. So Alex starts tracking it like from her computer and it's a phone call from Charlie. It's actually Bosley's phone. Yes. And her computer starts like freezing and she's like hitting it. And she's like, come on. Meanwhile, the creepy thin man has returned once again. He can't die. No. And he is walking up behind her. Knox answers the phone. He's like, hey, Charlie. The satellites start doing their thing. They're tracking him. Meanwhile, creepy thin man is smelling hair once again as he's approaching Alex. Yeah, there's like a lot of time he has to approach her. Yeah, he really, he savors every moment. Knox is then like, yeah, we're all having mimosas down on the beach. Charlie, you should come join us. And Charlie's like, Maybe next time. I just need to speak to Bosley. And he's like, he actually went to the restroom, but like, he'll be back any second. Like, just hang on while, like, keeping him occupied while the satellites are doing their thing. So Alex is trying to intercept the signal when she notices the pygmy nuthatch fly away and dodges the creepy thin man just in time as he's attacking her. The fight ensues. They ensue a fight. Fighting ensues between the two. A fight takes place. (laughs) Meanwhile, Natalie, still chatting it up with Pete, is like, can you hold on a second? When a axe 
gets thrown at her and like hits the door. She turns yeah. around. It's Miss Vivian Wood who's just tried to kill her. So Natalie uses the axe to cut the lock on Bosley's door and like hands it to him so he can protect himself so she can go and kick Vivian's ass. Yes. Vivian and Natalie are fighting all over the place. They fall through like the middle of a this spiral staircase while upstairs in the attic where the thin man and Alex are fighting. His sword cuts through like the rope of like the this bell. I guess it's like a bell tower more so than the lighthouse. And this bell falls right towards like Natalie and Vivian, but they dodge it just in time. Knox tells Charlie that Boz is still in the bathroom and he asks him if he can take a message. Charlie just says to just tell him he called his plans. Meanwhile, Knox has finally gotten Charlie's exact location. So the fighting continues when Alex sees that Knox has like gotten his location and she memorizes it before the creepy thin man like kicks her directly through the roof of this bell tower and they like go flying out. She does survive the fall. Meanwhile, Natalie, who is still on the phone with Pete, and he's like, is this a bad time? And then Vivian like kicks the phone out of her hand and she's like, is this the famous Charlie? And he's like, no, this is Pete. So then Vivian throws her phone on the ground, shattering it. Natalie is not happy. She's like, hey, I really liked that guy. And I'm like, I get it. But you got to prioritize. Pretty bold move to toss the phone, Mm -hmm. shattering it, breaking it. So as Nat and Vivian fight outside, Knox continues to speak with Dylan inside. He says um, that Charlie has a beautiful phone voice. He says, that's one more daddy you'll never know. And he kisses Dylan over the tape on her mouth. Knox says that he has to leave. He's got to go torture and kill her boss. But Mike, Jerry, you guys like angel cake? (laughs) Disgusting. Back outside, Alex is still fighting with the thin man. Natalie slaps around Vivian while she has her pinned down. She's like, do you know how hard it is to find a quality man in Los Angeles? And I'm like, I don't know about Los Angeles, but I can tell you in New York City and I can tell you in Toronto, that shit is hard. So Knox then heads on out. Alex is still fighting with the thin man. She has this like chain, I guess, that she's going to use to fight him with. And he has a sword. Back inside, Dylan is being surrounded by the goons. Someone takes Dylan's lighter from her pocket and he uses it to light a cigarette. She's like, don't take my lighter. She breaks the front leg of her chair that she's tied to, kicks the lighter out of his hands, and scoots the chair back to catch it in her hands. They're about to attack Dylan when she tells them to wait. She says by the time this is over, every one of them is going to be face down on the floor and she's going to moonwalk out of here. She lays out her plan that this guy is going to help her out of her chair. And then she's going to leapfrog over those two before she breaks that guy's nose, etc., etc. She tries to light the lighter behind her back, but for some reason it's not working. So she's like, and I'm going to do it all with my hands tied behind my back. Damn. And she's a woman of her word because she proceeds to exact her plan. Yeah. And I can't remember if I said this on this podcast or if I just have said this in life. But this is why you should never tie someone, if you're like a bad guy and trying to kidnap people, you should never tie someone to a wooden chair because they can just break the back legs of it and then like free themselves. 
So if you're ever tied to a wooden chair in a kidnapping situation, you can get out of it. Yes. Also, TikTok is a plethora of ways to get out of your kidnapping situation. Oh, yeah. We watched like a couple of different videos <laughs> after watching this movie of like how to get out of various kidnapping situations. Yeah. Duct tape, um, uh, zip tie, handcuffs. Mm. So she does kick all of their asses and she moonwalks on out of there. Meanwhile, Alex is still in the fight of her life with the creepy thin man who rips out more of her hair. Yikes. Bosley and Dylan run into each other in the hallway and she and he uses his axe to cut her like hand ties. So she now has her hands back. She then finds everyone on the roof, grabs a chain that was just chilling and lassos Vivian and the thin man together. Yeah, pretty wild. Suddenly, Knox helicopter flies up and he sees the girls on the roof. He presses a button and he ejects a bomb that shoots directly at them. So mm. obviously, they have to jump off the castle. He ends up destroying yeah. the entire edifice, the debris splatters, but the girls land and they run for cover. So Bosley emerges. He's in a Jeep. <laughs> okay. And he yeah. gets them all. Alex tells them the coordinates that Knox got. Tracked. Yeah, basically tracked down the coordinates of Charlie's location. Boz is like, oh, yes, that's Charlie's cabin. So going to drive you in the random Jeep that I have over <laughs> to there. Yeah. And they're like, oh, my God, you've seen it? You've met Charlie? What? And he's like, well, I saw his hand. Charlie's a modest guy. What are you going to do? So they end up catching up with the helicopter. <laughs> Alex, with her bow and arrow, screams, All right, let's see if I can win the teddy bear! And, like, shoots an arrow up at the helicopter, which the physics of this don't make sense, <laughs> but whatever. It goes in, and they then use these, like, grippy, climby things to, like, shimmy up this rope on Pretty this wild. arrow. <laughs> yeah. So they climb up to the helicopter. Alex climbs on to one of the torpedoes so she can, like, disable it. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Dylan climbs into the cabin, and right when Eric presses the launch button, she punches him. Obviously, the torpedo goes, so Alex almost falls to her death, but Natalie, like, catches her hand at the last second and flings her back to the other side of the helicopter. Again, the physics don't make sense. Don't make any sense. But whatever. So when she's back on... Alex then changes the course of the missile somehow. Don't understand it, but it happens. Dylan and Knox continue to fight in the cabin, and he launches the second missile. Natalie pulls the wires to, like, the flight control, so now he's, like, not flying this thing anymore. Mm -hmm. And Knox watches as the missile is, like, almost about to hit Charlie's cabin when it makes a very sudden detour and starts turning right back at the helicopter so Natalie grabs Dylan from the cabin where she's, like, still trying to, like, beat the shit out of him. And Knox is trying to turn the helicopter around, but there's no flight controls anymore. And Natalie drags Dylan out. The angels fall down to the sea as the helicopter gets blown up by the missile. Goodbye, Eric Knox. Ugh. See you never. Pretty crazy. So the angels do come to shore. They're exhausted. They're coughing up seawater. They see Charlie's cabin in the distance, and Natalie is just stoked to finally meet Charlie. Dylan asks if she looks okay, but they're all drenched in seawater. 
They open the cabin door and call out to Charlie. No reply. They do see a cigar burning, some coffee that's still hot. There's steam coming from it. The girls search around, but they don't see anyone. That all the small. <laughs> and they turn around, but it's only a radio. Oh. Sad. He apologizes that he couldn't stick around. And Natalie says, you know, we're just happy that you're okay, Charlie. He asks if the mission was accomplished. And Dylan says she thinks the client was blown away. Ha ha ha. So then the angels and Bosley are on the beach with Charlie's intercom. Charlie explains that Eric Knox was born John McCann. Mm. And his whole life's mission was to bring him down. His dad apparently was actually a double agent. And once he was discovered, he was killed by the other side. So Charlie didn't do anything. Bosley then tells Charlie that he enjoyed this assignment and is eager to return to work as he downs yet another cocktail. Yeah. And Charlie says that the office is being rebuilt and they'll be all like ready for them when they come back. And Dylan asks if he wants to join them for drinks. And Charlie says he'd love to, but he has some precious treasures to watch over. <sighs> and then we see... The back of Charlie's head as he's watching them. Yes. Dylan turns around and it looks like she catches a glimpse of Charlie. Mm -hmm. But Natalie says, how will they know he exists unless he comes down and has a coconut with them? Charlie says, faith angels. Dylan calls for a toast to Charlie. Bosley falls out of his chair and he ends up dumping his drink on them and they all are being really playful. They run to the beach and laugh as Charlie walks away in the distance. Yeah. Then we have the angels playing all the small things. Yeah. We have a great like montage, like footage of different missions and like outtakes from the movie. It's just like a great time. Amazing. Yeah. For everyone except Lucy Liu. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Huge Al. Yeah. But that's Charlie's Angels. I always want to be in a movie where there's some like crazy fighting scene. I think it'd be so fun. Yeah. I was actually surprised by how much I enjoyed this movie watching it now. Mm -hmm. I mean, is it like an amazing, stellar, revolutionary movie? No, absolutely not. No. But I think that the comedy is like pretty solid. Yeah, I agree. The performances are like pretty good across the board. Mm -hmm. It's just like a fun time. I love seeing women kicking ass. I definitely enjoyed the pace of the movie. I thought it was like mm -hmm. really high, like full full throttle. <laughs> it was really high energy and I wasn't dull. Like there was never a dull moment. Mm -hmm. I always felt like people were keeping me on my toes and I was like really excited yeah. for what was going to come up next. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Plus, everyone's, like, hot and talented, so yeah. how could you go wrong? Yeah, and, I mean, they had a great villain, oh, which yeah. can really make or break a movie, but Eric Knox was, like, a really good, good villain. If I had, like, a critique for the movie, I would be, like, I needed a little bit more from Vivian Wood, either, like, mm -hmm. a little more development or just, like, more yeah. information, because I almost feel like if she wasn't there, I wouldn't have noticed. Yeah. Because, like, I understand Eric's motivation. Mm -hmm. Like, makes sense. He's avenging his father's death. Um, not that that's, like, what you should do, but, like, I get it. I get it. I understand. 
Meanwhile, Vivian, like she, I guess she's like Eric's girlfriend, but like, what's she getting out of it? Yeah, I'm just like, none of that that storyline was of zero interest to me. Yeah. It almost felt like they just needed someone to like drug Bosley and stuff. Yeah. And report him as kidnapped. So. Yeah, they needed like some sort of red herring. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, as far as like the Charlie's Angels movies go, this is the best one for sure. The second one is like still fun. It's not as good though. Okay. But it does have Demi Moore in it, which is pretty, pretty cool. Great. Yeah, don't catch me watching the 2019 version. Oh, God. I watched it. I was so angry the whole time because I was just like, this is so bad. And I know that Elizabeth Banks kind of like went off and was like, people aren't watching this because like they're sexist. And I'm like, that's not it, honey. It's just a bad movie. You just you made a bad movie. Take the L. You know, not every movie is good. Yeah. The best part of the new one is Kristen Stewart, like by far. Yeah, I bet. I mean, if you have a movie where Noah Centineo is playing a scientist, Brother. you know, you've gone off the rails. <laughs> yeah, I just, whoa, whoa, whoa. You can't put that CO2 in that O2. And yeah. Noah, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, 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 Centineo. Centineo. <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah, that's not a good, it's not a good look. My love. No. It's a coping mechanism, isn't it? <laughs> it ain't it for me, love. Oh, God. Um, yeah, so don't even bother watching that one, in my opinion. Just stick stick to the classics. Stick to the I mean, classics, actually, yeah. I've never seen the series, like the original, but I think me my neither. mom watched it when she was younger. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the angels has a cameo in the second movie, like one of the original angels. Okay, cool. In the full throttle? Yeah. I really enjoyed this movie. Honestly, I think it's kind of a good date night movie. Oh, yeah. It's pretty like it's not too in depth. If you're just meeting the person, it's not like mm-hmm. you're going to have a whole deep conversation. Yeah. Kind of lighter, just enjoyable. And mm-hmm. uh, you get some amazing performances from Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, Sam Rockwell, Lucy Liu, Tim Curry. Yeah. Like, what an amazing yeah. cast. It was just fun, which I feel like is the 2000s mm-hmm. motto is just like have fun. And yeah. wear a cute dress. And, like, I'm not a big, like, action movie person. It's, like, not really my thing. But I love this movie. Oh, I mean, yeah. It's super enjoyable. I'd watch this movie before I'd watch a Marvel movie. 100%. Oh, yeah. And the director, um, Mick G, this was his first film he ever did. Yeah. He only directed, like, music videos before this. Um, and then he did this, which I actually talked about very briefly with Terry, where he was like, yeah, it was, like, kind of a big risk for him to direct this movie. But it turned out really well. I was like, yeah, I agree. Yeah, he nailed it. Yeah. All right, should we rate it up? Let's rate it. I kind of want to give it either a 7.5 or an 8. I'm kind of leaning toward mm. an 8. Mm. I was thinking around like a 7, 7.5 because like I really liked it, but it's not like one of my favorites, you know? Yeah, I get that. I'm totally cool with the 7.5. Yeah, sounds good to me. Yeah, if you're in the mood for something fun and a little bit spicy, mm. watch some Charlie's Angels. I can't believe we haven't talked about bachelor on this podcast at all we have to do it next week well we talked we talked briefly about um chris harrison trying to have bro chats with oh, matt james yeah. last week that was so weird the only problem is is that we record these like a week in advance so by the time they come out we're already an episode behind let us know if you want um a bachelor side project from us maybe we'll pay you all the bachelor Ooh. podcast oh yeah do a patreon bachelor podcast let us know if you're interested yeah that'd be fun 
But, you know, while you're at it, you should definitely follow us on Instagram. Please do. Please like, rate, subscribe. And if you made it this far, do not forget to tune in to our next episode where we will be speaking with the one and only Miss 2005, Nicole Randone. We worked with her creating just like the outline for the episode and Mm -hmm. we're really excited to record with her. She's a sweet, sweet woman and very talented just oh, yeah. really bubbly and kind. So You may have read about her in the New York Times. <laughs> you may have seen her on Instagram. You may have seen her popping up on your Explore page. Yes. So that's going to be a very fun one. Mm-hmm. We have some. We have quite a few guests coming we up soon. We have so many guests. And let me tell yeah. you, it is <laughs> like a lot of work. Yeah. The next few weeks, it's going to be it's gonna be hectic. It's going to be packed. It's going to be rough Valentine's love. Day. <laughs> We're going to be chilling and grilling. Oh, I should send so. you like flowers for Valentine's Day or something. <gasps> oh, my God. Stop. You're so cute. Oh, my gosh. Well, we can send each other a little something. something no, don't send me anything. Day. That's Phil's job. That's true. Phil, <laughs> save, get your, on it. save your money. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But, yeah. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. It's MTRU underscore pod. And don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. We haven't been able to shout out a review in like a hot minute. Yes. We want to bring those back. So if you haven't written us a little review on Apple Podcasts, get your booty on there. Type it out. Write us a little a little review. Tell us what you like. If you don't like it, maybe don't tell us because mm. I'm fragile. <laughs> but- uh, I cannot handle that right now in my psyche. <laughs> but yeah, if you give us a review, we will give you a shout out in the next episode and we will tell you what song is gonna play in the 2000s movie montage of your life so yeah hop on all that. the small, small things, things. <laughs> uh, we'll see you guys next week uh, thank you so much for listening to movies that really says we are more interested in making the song is by bye